0: Rise. 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 Surround us. Rise.
1: Welcome to Advancing the Art of Aging. I'm Carol Silver Elliott, President and CEO of the Jewish Home Family a continuum of services for older adults located in northern New Jersey. And I am absolutely delighted today to have our chief financial officer of the Jewish Home Family, Brandy Stefanko, with us. Brandy, welcome. Thank you.
0: I'm excited to be here.
1: We're excited to have you here. So I would expect that people look at this and they think, oh, they're, she's going to ask what a CFO does in a long-term care setting. And actually, there's a lot of things that we could talk about but what I really wanted to talk to you about today is sort of your personal journey, because I think it's a really interesting one, and I think your experiences of the last year are particularly interesting. So if it's okay with you, we're going to go that direction. Sounds good. Okay. So Brandy, tell me how you got into the world of long-term care, and you know, you have quite an interesting trajectory from where you started to becoming a CFO. Can you walk us through that? Uh, so,
0: I grew up in a multi generational family. Uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, lived with us. And so I was very accustomed to having that level of interaction with older adults. She was my mother, she was my best friend, she was my grandmother. It was all, it was a wonderful experience. And when I was about five years old, I joined a singing group called All God's Children. And one of the things we did was we went into nursing homes after church on Sunday, and we put on shows. And uh, one show in particular I remember was we did Annie, and uh, my mom played Miss Hannigan. Oh, my gosh. And she had gone to a local Goodwill store and found the most horrific, horrendous outfit you could possibly imagine. Big brown boa, big ugly dress. And when we came out from behind the stage, there was a woman in the audience who said, that's my dress. You're wearing my dress. And I think that right there was my moment where I went, I love this. Um, So I did that for a number of years as a young child. And then I guess around the time I got my driver's license, I was standing in a grocery store behind a woman who was buying like 50 jars of fluff. And I said you really like marshmallow. And and she went on to talk about how she worked in the nursing home that was just down the road. And uh, they were doing some sort of baking project and they needed all of this fluff for it. And I started to talk about my volunteer service. And she said, you know, we, we have a position open on the weekends for an activity assistant. What do you think about it? And I said, well, absolutely. So about two weeks later, I was the youngest activity assistant in that nursing home, and uh, I, worked, I worked there for a couple of years. I loved every minute. It was um, an assisted living connected to a nursing home, so I worked on both sides of the, the property and, and just absolutely fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with the elders. I fell in love with my role. I fell in love with everything. And as I moved through high school, I decided that I thought, you know, this is something I really want to do. So when I graduated high school, as I was going to college for music, I also went and became a certified activities leader for the state of Ohio and had moved from one nursing home into another. And a position for an activities director came up. And because I had gotten my certification, I moved into that role Uh, on a temporary basis, and I did that for six or eight months, loved every minute of it, and when it came for them to actually hire somebody, they went um, from a seniority perspective and actually ended up hiring somebody who had been a caregiver, and I thought, well, that kind of felt not good, and and I was a little little upset about it, and then I found out there was a role in the finance office, and I thought, well, I'm going to do that. So I moved in, and I actually became accounts payable and payroll, and then moved up to be the office manager at that facility, and they were a national chain based here in New Jersey, and I had gotten something across a fax machine about a position open in New Jersey, and I thought, you know what, I really need a change in my life right now, and, and this is the time for change, and I applied, and I interviewed, actually, to be the secretary to the purchasing mm-hmm. officer. Um, and it was not a role I thought would fit me well, so I, I went back to Ohio. And the next day, I got a phone call from an administrator in a facility in New Jersey. She introduced herself as Deborah. She said, I've heard all about you. I love you. I want you. Come be <laughs> my office manager. I said, well, we've never met. She said, it doesn't matter. I saw your resume. I heard all about you. I want you. Two weeks later, I moved from Ohio to New Jersey and became the office manager of a, a small facility in Hackensack. And uh, and from there, I uh, actually went from running that building to running two buildings, and moved to another organization, and became an office manager of a much larger facility. It was a 236-bed facility. And then I thought, I'm not sure if I want to stay in this company or not, and an opportunity had come my way to uh, work at a corporate office for another healthcare chain. And the company I was with at the time really wanted me to stay. They offered me a regional accountant position. So I moved up into being a regional accountant, and I covered Connecticut to Florida. And I worked there for a number of years. And then uh, I decided to stay a little more local. I got uh, tired of the travel. And an opportunity came up right around the corner from where I was living at the time, and I became the controller there. And uh, one day when I was covering one of the facility's business offices, I got a, a letter in the mail saying there was an opportunity at the Jewish home. And uh, I remember interviewing, um, I interviewed with Chuck Berkowitz, who was the CEO at that time, and uh, I remember thinking this is like, s- this place so fits with my my vision and my personal ethics and morals and You know, I worked in for-profit for years, and I saw the mentality, and I knew that's not what I wanted for my grandmother. It's not what I wanted for my mother. It's not what I want for anybody's parents. And so when I was offered the opportunity here at the Jewish home, I jumped at it. Um, And that's kind of how I I came to be here. I've been here almost 18 years now. Um, In the past 18 years, I... uh, Finished my education. I got my bachelor's in accounting and went on to get my master's in business administration with a dual specialization. I have uh, healthcare and finance. And uh, because I am a lover of learning and a lover of growing, I went on to get my nursing home administrator's license. Um, I was very much encouraged by you, Carol, for that. And that was an incredibly meaningful experience for me. I think it gave me a very different level of understanding um, and a very different understanding of my role and how, how important and vital, actually, my role is. You know, I, I need to make sure that we can do all of the amazing things we do, and that's really, I, I think, my, my activities background and my administrator license has really f- played nicely with my CFO role.
1: It's really an interesting path, Brandy, from starting in activities because you love working with older adults to moving into a role where you express that love in a different way by making sure that people have what they need and the organization has what it needs. Do you ever miss that sort of day-to-day, let's-have-some-fun-with-elders piece of, of what you enjoyed as activities? I do. I think it's why
0: I have always so encouraged my staff to be involved. You know, when we do celebrations at the Jewish home, when we have 70s day or cruise week, or I have always been the one to say, what do you need us to do? What, what should we dress up like? Please give me the agenda so I know what to wear every day. And I think that's where that comes from. It comes from that place of I, I do love that and I do miss that. And I think early on, I really struggled with the role change moving from being fun and playing to to really being behind a desk and and I think what always made me feel good about the change was you know I my job as as important because my job is to make sure that we are sustainable that we will always be here to be able to provide that level of activity, that level of interaction, that level of engagement, and it's, I've always loved the challenge of it, and, you know, it it,
1: it it fulfills me. That's great. All the, you know, all the pieces certainly interlock. Without the ability to be sustainable, without the ability to have resources, obviously the care and the activities and everything else suffer, and Having the strong financial management is crucial to any organization's success, but I think particularly in the nonprofit arena it's even more critical every single day
0: absolutely you know this year certainly has has presented all of its challenges, and I think you know we've been we've done what we've needed to do we've been very thoughtful about how we managed our finances I think you know, we didn't immediately jump in and cut or make significant changes or any drastic changes. And in fact, we we built up our staff. We redeployed. We made sure we did everything we could do to keep people employed, to keep people engaged, and to be able to continue to, to care for our elders in the way we would want our, our mothers and fathers to be cared for.
1: That's great. You know, this past year has been It's very strange in many ways. And for you, it should have been a really exceptional year because you were accepted into the National Leading Age Larry Minnick's uh, Leadership Academy. It's a very, very competitive program to get into. There are far more applicants than there are spots. And it was so thrilling for you and for me as well, I have to say that you were accepted into the program The program hasn't exactly been the way it was planned this year. Can you talk about that? So the the Leadership Academy, I think there are two reasons people really want to be a part of
0: that program. One of it is obviously to grow their own leadership skills and to develop their style and to understand how to to be an effective and, and good leader. The other piece of it is really about building personal connections and building a network of people you can count on and rely on. And so much of that happens together, you know, face to face. And, you know, we had uh, an opportunity to meet twice in person, um, amazing group of individuals, uh, but the pandemic hit. And so we had to flip to this virtual platform and... I know it was really disheartening for a lot of the people in Academy. They were really, really upset about it. And and I remember being a, a bit upset initially. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I thought this is our moment to shine. Mm-hmm. You know, we are emerging leaders who are now leading through a period in time that nobody else before us has it led through. And the ability to be resilient to that and to respond positively to that and to accept whatever came our way and just deal with it and move forward. And I remember sending an email to um, the facilitators and I had been, I'd been on Facebook scrolling along and this picture came up in my feed and it was a boat in a storm and it said a smooth sea never made a good sailor. Mm. And so I had screenshotted it and sent them and I said, I feel like we're going to be good sailors mm-hmm. because we're going to be able to ride this out and we'll be better for it in the end. So I think I, I took what could have been a negative experience and really flipped it into a much more positive experience for me. I, I, I built great relationships you know, you learn to interact with people in a very different way over Zoom or, or even over phone. These are people, some of them you, you maybe met in person. They might have been on the other group or, but it, it, was, it was, it was meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, we built very meaningful relationships and, and we bounced ideas off and we shared policies and we, we moved through everything together and I just,
1: I think we all became stronger because of that. That's great. One of the things that distinguishes the end of the Academy year is the opportunity to do a project. And your project kind of morphed a little bit during the course of the year. Can you talk about, how number one, how it morphed, but number two, it was such an extraordinary project. Maybe you can spend a few minutes talking about what it was like.
0: So the the Action Learning Project is really supposed to be the kickoff of what will be our... Uh, life goal or our life mission. And when I first started thinking about it, I really was going a very different direction than what I ended up. I wanted to do a project about um, destigmatizing death and dying. And I really wanted to focus on the hospice aspects and, and how we could make it not as scary. You know, I remember when my grandmother had to put my grandfather on hospice. And it was it was a horrible experience for her to have to make that decision because there's so much fear in it. And so that was really how my project started. But as the pandemic kind of evolved and rolled out, I was watching what was going on around me. You know, how, my, how the staff were impacted and how they felt villainized. They felt... They felt like they were horrible people, and they're not. You know, they, Families didn't want to come and visit, and, and staff lost caregivers because they were afraid to come into the house. And, and, I, and then I started to read the articles, and, and they were awful. They were just awful. And I thought, well, who would ever want to work in an environment that is that the media is portraying like this? And so my project really turned into telling our stories, and uh, and the hero's journey, you know, I believe all of us to be heroes. We all we all came in, we all pitched in, we all did what we needed to do, and and it was an interesting tie actually to the Leadership Academy team that I was on because our team was the Elder Justice League, and our you know we we had capes and we had masks, and and who would have known that that would have mm. kind of led down that journey to my my project and. And I really wanted to highlight the unsung heroes. You know, Eric, our director of nursing, is amazing. And everybody knows he's amazing. And and the nursing team is exceptional. And everybody knows they're exceptional. You know, I wanted to look at the dietary aide who voluntarily took a CNA waiver class so that she could help on the floor. You know, I wanted to focus on Orla, who is our security receptionist, who called and said, What can I do? I, uh, what can I do to help? I, I want to help. I want to be there. And I remember a family coming in for an end of life visit, and uh, she was incredibly distressed. I, I think she thought she missed the moment. And when she walked in the door, she literally collapsed. And Orla just got up from her desk, walked over, picked her up. Helped her put on her mask and her gloves and, and then took her down. And, and that to me is a hero, you know, to, to have that compassion and that empathy and just know what to do. Those are the people I want to highlight. And I think as an industry, if we all highlight those people, everybody else looks at it and goes, I want to be like that. Mm. That's where I want to work. I want to work where everybody is a team player and a, and a member of a family and I can do that. And that was really where my my project started to take me.
1: You know, during the the worst days of the pandemic but continuing on till today, there's a lot of negative press about specifically nursing homes, but any kind of senior services you know senior services have taken the brunt of people's frustration and anger and confusion and and been labeled in ways that are not accurate i think it's all well and good for any of us to say that's not right these are the things that are true but i think by telling the stories of the real people who are here making a difference every day is is more powerful than any of the words any anyone in a position of authority could could say. It's really understanding the people like Orla who worked seven days a week, every hour she needed to work jumped into every role she needed to play, and never for a minute complained or hesitated. Not not even the glimmer of a hesitation. I, I remember you telling me. Um, when you asked Orla, or you told Orla you thought she was a hero, can can you share what she, she said?
0: Yeah, so I, I said to her, have you ever thought uh, of yourself
1: as a hero? She said, I'm not a
0: hero, I'm a soldier.
1: What a beautiful sentence! And I that thought, is.
0: wow, you know, it, in that one sentence, it, that's what they were, they were soldiers. And I remember her saying, you know, how remarkable you, Carol, were, and Sonny was, and, and anytime she felt scared she said to me they're here i'm here and and that's what got her up and that's what got her in here every day if they're here i'm here and and that was a pretty amazing thing to hear
1: it's a beautiful message thank you brandy for sharing this great story with us today and thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you have done and continue to do we are We are extraordinarily blessed to have you and so proud of everything you do and certainly of the person that you are. Thank you. you. All of the children
0: rise Elders with wisdom rise Ancestors surround us rise